Hour number two begins right now, right here of the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. Kevin Walsh has departed us here, which means the morning after is simply the morning after. But over the next two hours, starting in our next segment, we will have six guests for you to get you set with everything you need to know on this Thursday. The sports business world with the sports professor Rick Horro, NBA action, NFL action. Thursday night football begins week number 13 in the National Football League tonight between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. And we also begin this second hour with the news that you just heard in the Sports Grid News update from our very own Alex Fasano. Major League Baseball has been locked out. For the first time in more than two and a half decades since 1990, the Major League Baseball season and everything around it has been put on pause out of right now. A lockout in the majors. They met yesterday briefly for about seven minutes. The meeting came to an end. The lockout went into effect at midnight of early this morning or Wednesday night, however you want to conceptualize it. So, for the first time in over 25 years, Major League Baseball is in a lockout. What exactly does that mean right here, right now, and moving forward? Obviously, it is the beginning of December. We have a long way to go until spring training even gets underway in late February, early March, when catchers and pitchers start to report to their ended destinations in Arizona and Florida. There is a lot of time to figure it out, and there was a sense along a lot of people within the Major League Baseball community, including Sports Grid's MLB insider Craig Mish, that this was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen. It was almost matter of fact. Now it would be just making sure we could smooth things out in the coming months moving forward to get the Major League Baseball season started on time. But there's really not a threat as of right now, and obviously anytime you're in a work stoppage, there is an idea that games could be affected, but a lot of people believe that games will not be affected by this current lockout for Major League Baseball. That by the time we get to spring training, we will be up full ready to go that might be a soft deadline the middle of february the end of february when catchers and pitchers start to report to really turn this thing into high gear we have three months until then i think we should be all right with that all being said anytime there is a work stoppage there are questions as to why Basically, it comes down to money. That's what makes this world go round and round, folks. And there is a disagreement between players who believe they are earned more money early on in their Major League Baseball careers to get more money in their contracts and owners, of course, who have differing thoughts on that idea. So as things stand, again, the Major League Baseball season should not be in any danger to not be a full 162 games. Because don't forget, just this past year, in 2020, we barely played a Major League Baseball season. It was a 60-game sprint played in the midst of a pandemic where Major League Baseball lost a ton of money. And from a PR perspective, to have a shortened season once again would be a disaster for Rob Manfred and everybody involved in Major League Baseball. So, I do not believe... We will not play 162 games. Could spring training be slightly shortened? Maybe. But I think everything will be ready to go. So you should not be freaking out right now that a lockdown has taken place, that a lockout has happened. I think we will be fine. So maybe one thing you can do in your off time as you get prepped for the next Major League Baseball season is look at the World Series championship odds for 2022. As we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on the grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. 
I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Looking at those 2022 World Series championship odds, and we expect the 2022 season to be a full 162 games. Right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the LA Dodgers are the favorites at a price I believe is plus 600. Hundred right now on FanDuel. The Dodgers made some moves yesterday before the lockout. They signed veteran utility player, a guy that makes that lineup tick in Chris Taylor. The Houston Astros have the second shortest odds at 10 to 1. Then you see the White Sox and the Mets tied for the third shortest odds at 11 to 1. The Blue Jays and the Yankees 12 to 1, and so on and so forth as we go down the board. The Atlanta Braves, the reigning. World Series champions plus 1,400. The Padres plus 1,400. The Tampa Bay Rays also 14 to 1. So maybe you use this off time in your free time as you look away from Major League Baseball to dive in to some future value. Of course, we know the Mets made a huge splash before this lockout, signing Max Scherzer to a three-year, $130 million deal. Their odds got tremendously shorter, almost cut in half on the FanDuel Sportsbook to where they sit right now at plus 1,100. There was a trade yesterday before the lockout. The Boston Red Sox sending Hunter Renfro to the Milwaukee Brewers, Jackie Bradley Jr., JBJ, back to Boston. Right now, both Boston is at plus 1,800 and Milwaukee 16 to 1 to win the World Series. We also had some marquee signings earlier in the week as well. Robbie Ray going to Seattle, the AL Cy Young winner, now out in the Pacific Northwest. The Rangers have made a ton of news and moves in this offseason portion before the lockout. And then yesterday, Marcus Stroman leaving the Mets to go to the Chicago Cubs. He broke the news himself, a Major League Baseball insider, Marcus Stroman. So, Take this time, look at the futures board, and know that Major League Baseball will be back before you know it. Here's a sneak preview for you. Benny and the Bets hit the streets of New York yesterday to talk to New Yorkers how they feel about the Major League Baseball lockout and how we had a difficult time getting into anything. We were locked out of so much. A man that knows a lot about having fun with New Yorkers in the streets of New York, that would be sports professor Rick Horro. He's coming up next year on The Grid. Stay with us on The Morning After. sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back to the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, all across the SportsGrid network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. Very pleased right now on this Thursday morning to welcome in our sports business professor. It is Rick Horo joining us here on the grid. Rick, great to see you on this Thursday morning. How's the weather out in Florida to start out December? I don't care. You know, you whip the heck out of me with your partner in crime, Kevin Walsh, off the air. And then all of a sudden oh, you turn on to be man. nice, nice. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? Uh, the, the weather, it's hailing, all right? It's snowing. There are 14 inches of snow out here, all right, for, for all you know. The weather is great. I'm great. You're great. Here is why you're great, because you're the only host, okay. probably, that's given World Series odds uh, the morning of a lockout. That was re- that's really gutsy. Thank you very much. That's, no, that's, that, that, and, and I, I really do appreciate it. By the way, here is the official statement that most of the teams, I got it from most of them, at 12.01. Today's mm-hmm. announcement does not necessarily mean games will be canceled. Purpose is taking the step is to create urgency to reach an agreement. 
quickly as possible with the goal of avoiding impact to the 2022 season. There you have it. I guess it's official. Well, we need more than just a piece of paper, by the way. But now the process starts. And by the way, you realize how many free agents were signed against this deadline. When you compare it to the free yeah. agents signed last year, the union ought to be happy because this whole process meant a whole lot of guys like Stroman and Scherzer and all those guys are taken care of right before the deadline. You can only get that here. Rick Coro reading this statement that most Major League Baseball teams got when the Major League Baseball season and everything that goes with it, at least as of right now, was locked out early this morning, late last night, however you want to think about it. That is the great insight that Rick Horo can provide us here. And Rick, I could be nice to you and razz you at the same time. That means we're good friends. If you can't take a joke and we're friends, then maybe we're not that close of friends. Is that okay? No. No, it's not okay. I, I love okay. your jokes. Okay. Uh, you know, you try as hard as you can, and we'll joust. I'll, I'll huh? tie half the brain behind my back, and we'll go one-on-one. Ooh. All right, well, let me butter you up then because you did a great <laughs> job delivering that statement from Major League Baseball. The Major League Thank Baseball you. campaign, as of right now, has been locked out. We are under a lockout for the first time in more than yeah. two and a half decades. Rick, what goes right. into a lockout for Major League Baseball, and how is it resolved? Well, players can't uh, train in facilities. They can't contact anybody. Coaches can't contact people. Uh, you know, it's really kind of tough on the industry because last year we were locked out because of COVID. This year we're locked out because of labor. And just once we ought to have a season where the rhythm of the players and the rhythm of the owners gets uh, normalized again, but that's not going to happen. So if this is resolved in a short period of time, which it probably won't be, meaning, you know, and short is all relative, then uh, it's business as usual because a lot of people, dirty little secret, take all their kind of vacations uh, in mid-December, early December anyway, then they get back to work. And down here, we'll be the first ones to feel it, as well as Arizona. You know, if we go through early February, then we worry about pitchers and catchers, and the economic impact for spring training in Florida and Arizona is cumulatively nearly a billion dollars. So let's remember that and revisit that theme in January. Rick, you read out that statement where they said we are not really in danger of canceling any games for the 2022 Major League Baseball season. Do you believe that is a reality as we come out of this lockout for Major League Baseball? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, that, that statement, and you've seen language like that. So what happens is there's a core statement and each club sends stuff to their season ticket holders. When you compare them, that, that sentence is almost always in there. And it wouldn't be in there if there was a tone that Rob Manfred wanted to set from the top down that said, we're never going to play again unless we change the system. And, you know, baseball players go uh, find other jobs because this is serious. It's serious, but for a olive branch like that, saying this does not, and the word necessarily mean games will be canceled. Well, necessarily is a great right. word. The sun doesn't necessarily rise in the east, but, you know, we'll have to see. I completely agree. Necessary had to be in there. Necessarily, certainly so. You read a statement, the college football playoff working group had a statement yesterday about expanding the college football playoff. But what we can say right now, Rick, is the TV numbers this season have been monumental. You think about the game between Ohio State and Michigan, one of the highest rated games in Fox Sports history. Over 15 million viewers this past Saturday watched Ohio State and Michigan. You're looking at this list here from the athletic Stuart Mandel 
a lot of those teams featured from the Big Ten and the SEC. Rick, is that why the money is so big for college football specifically in those two conferences? Well, of course. And, and, and the bottom line is the names of the of the folks, the rivalries of the folks, the Jim Harbaugh, uh, most of the people want to get him uh, beaten and flattened by truck and run over again. And other people say, my God, what a great win. This guy is coming around. We haven't seen this since the 49ers. That's what makes football great. And by the way, that was a great early Fox window. How about the Auburn-Alabama quadruple overtime? Auburn wakes up and says, we're leading. It's late. We better figure out how to lose. How about that game? And how about the Oklahoma State-Bedlam game? Listen, if you weren't a football fan and you had some mm. problems with a marriage before that game, many divorce petitions filed on Monday, I'll bet. I mean, when you look at a lot of those games too, Rick, as you mentioned, the Fox early window, the big noon kickoff that has become a thing in the past five years, that game between Michigan and Ohio State, 15.9 million viewers, big noon kickoff. Michigan, Michigan State, 9.3 million viewers, big noon kickoff. Oregon, Ohio State, 7.7 million viewers, the eighth most yeah. watched game this season, big noon kickoff. The noon window still has a play in the Eastern Standard Time. So... Big numbers for college football. And Rick, we also heard earlier this week Tiger Woods speak to the media for the first time since his heroin car accident this past February. And the Hero World Challenge is going on this week in the Bahamas. We have some huge names in the world of golf playing in the Hero World Challenge, a tournament that Tiger hosts. Tiger will not be playing. And as you see those odds, Rick, I'm not going to ask you to give us a pick. But just what did you make of Tiger Woods' press conference and what his future might look like in the sport of golf? Justin Thomas. Oh, you're not going to ask me to make a pick. Okay, sorry. I, I, Good value. I, I listen only I listen only 30% of what you say anyway. The, 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 bo the bottom line of all of this is that Tiger speaks for golf, and now he's kind of an ambassador for golf. Mr. Hogan, he says, he's following in his footsteps. Celebrity golfer, come back on a regular basis teasing a little bit he's not doing this for the public he's doing this for his kid and he's doing it for himself and you see him around here in jupiter occasionally and he's fun to be around honestly it's a different tiger and we all know that the circumstances cause the change in behavior but he is a different tiger and at the end of the day you get off of that kepka dechambeau match and personally i wish it was 18 holes so kepka uh could have beaten him uh you know nine and, and seven or nine and eight but that's life $30 million, the match Capital One for charity over the last franchise years, mm. and $10 million homeless fed because of that. So listen, golf and charity, they're one and the same. Big deal. I mean, they think it's a made-for-TV event, and it certainly is the match, but it's still fun, it's still entertaining, and it causes a lot of good. Also, Rick, I got an email yesterday from the FanDuel Sportsbook saying, Ben, we are coming to New York State. So, Rick, you see this email I got yesterday, a screenshot of it. What's the latest update on when legalized online sports wagering will come to New York State? Only about 45 seconds left. That's just for you. They wanted to fake you out. I didn't get that email. Uh, you know, oh. I, I don't know if it's coming. It, it is. It, it's You're coming. In Florida. It was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it was, it's coming here, too. It's just going to take a while because that's in oh. court. There were three licenses. Now there are nine. And as soon as Super Bowl, everything will get done. Why? Money, 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 money. Everybody wants the Super Bowl bets and then the March Madness bets. And I predict, and I've said it before, that there will be game betting at MSG, at UBS, at Barclays, at Yankee, at City, 
within the next three or four years. So read the email. It's coming to you. You can go to the stadiums and maybe even buy me some some uh, a hamburger or something, come out of their pocket and, and get those flies that fly out as well. Rick, I'll get you the nicest beer they have on tap. Our sports professor, Rick Horo, joining us on The Grid. More the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. We are so excited for conference championship weekend in college football. It begins tomorrow. Yes, on a Friday. We've got some games in Conference USA. The Pac-12 title game between Oregon and Utah. And then a wonderful Saturday slate to end out the college football season before we get into bowl season the college football playoff as well. So who better to join us here to help us break everything down than Pam Maldonado from the Yahoo Sportsbook joining us to talk about conference championship weekend in college football. Pam, how excited are you for this weekend slate? I really am excited. Like Tuesday morning, I was like, man, is it Saturday? Is it Saturday? And every day since, I'm just like, I'm anxious. Like, I don't care about Thursday night football. I don't even care about the Friday games. I just want to get to Saturday. I want to see Michigan. I want to see what happens with Alabama. I've This is the best week of anticipation that we've had um, leading up. So I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. <laughs> and it's been a wild 72 three pass days in college football when you think about the past 72 hours with all the head coaching carousel but the focus will soon shift in the next 12 to 24 hours to the games on the actual football field and Pam let's start with that SEC championship game because for only the second time in the past 12 years Alabama has been booked as an underdog in fact a six and a half point underdog against the number one team in the land the Georgia Bulldogs in the SEC title game the over under right now on FanDuel is 49 and a half Pam the Tide have not been an underdog much in the past decade do you think an underdog price on Alabama is too good to pass up no when I take underdogs I take them because I believe they can win the game outright I don't see Alabama upsetting Georgia. This defense is just so good. And that offensive line for Alabama is so bad. <laughs> that is the key matchup in this. The front seven against Alabama's offensive line. And Bryce Young, he's been sacked 33 times this season. And look, if he Ooh. can get through this pass rush, he deserves to win the Heisman. But you have seen him struggle against other pass rushes. And we saw it last week against Auburn. Seven sacks. He had two touchdowns still and one thrown interception, but you needed, can you sustain that type of play? I mean, he's only given the ball away four times with interceptions all year. That's been great. He's doing a good job of protecting the ball, but that's also preventing you from putting up score from putting up points against a team that's already limiting teams to 17 points or less this season. Points are going to be at a premium unless you beat Georgia three <laughs> zero. 7-0. I don't see this underdog upset story happening. Bryce Young, he is going to be on his back every drive, every play. How do you produce any type of production from that? 
I don't see it happening. I love Georgia in this spot. I do too, Pam. When you look at these teams on paper, just the 2021 versions of the Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide, the favor should be all in Georgia, probably past a touchdown, but getting them less than seven points. I love Georgia in this spot. But the Cosmos of Nick Saban against a former assistant coach and Kirby Smart having his struggles against his former boss, that could come into play in Atlanta, Georgia. And Pam has told me this from a very, very early stage of handicapping in this college football season. One of the biggest ways to get an edge in college is to look at pass rush rate and how good a defensive front is against an offensive line. And Pam, we know how good Georgia's defense is. They have allowed 69 offensive points in total to their opponents in 12 games this year. And we have seen Alabama struggle, not only to protect Bryce Young, Pam, but also to get the ground game going. And Brian Robinson Jr. banged up in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. So we know that points will be at a premium. How many points, what ballpark do you think Alabama needs to score on Saturday to keep this game against Georgia close? To keep it close or to win? <laughs> That's two very different questions. Um, to keep it True. close, I can see this being a 21. My prediction for this game was 24-13 Georgia. Um, I think even in the fourth quarter, we can see a pullback because at some point, the Alabama defense is just going to like, okay, we're not on the field long enough. We're on the field for too long because our offense is not being able to stay on the field. I could even see like 31-13, but that's because I do like Georgia. Now, if I think they're going to win, you would have to shut out Georgia offense from putting up points. And that could potentially mm. even happen because have we seen Stetson Bennett uh, in any type of position where they're playing from behind? No. Have we seen where they're in a tight-knit situation other than week one against Clemson? That's it. So I'm thinking, honestly, that we could see something like Clemson in week one. Alabama, of course, has yeah. a much better offense than what Clemson can produce. But I definitely like the under 50 and a half. I haven't bet this yet, um, but that's definitely where I'm leaning to most comfortably. I can definitely see a situation where it's 17-10, 19-13. I mean, I don't want to say 19-13, but like 24-13. Um, <laughs> I, it's so hard to imagine Alabama getting more than three, getting even three touchdowns. Yeah, absolutely so. And Pam, we got this note from our good friend Connor O'Gara on Tuesday's show here on the morning after that. In the three previous meetings between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, the Bulldogs of Georgia have actually had a lead at the half, and then Nick Saban and the Tide have outscored Georgia 31 nothing. Mm -hmm in the fourth quarter so if the game is tight and you think Alabama has a fighter's chance in the fourth maybe look to that live line on the Alabama Crimson Tide yeah. so many different ways and edges to be had in the SEC title game Pam is a proud alum of the University of Texas now the horns will not be in the Big 12 title game but that's where we go no. next <laughs> Oklahoma State a four and a half point favorite Pam against Baylor the over under total for this game also a small number at 46 and a half points at a premium. Oklahoma State has already beaten Baylor this year, 24 to 14 back in the early portion of each team's Big 12 slate. Pam, do you believe the Cowboys can win and cover again against the Baylor Bears? Yes, I do like Oklahoma State to cover the spread against Baylor. And if you look back at that game, yes, Oklahoma State won 24 to 14. They were actually up 14 to zero and Baylor needed two big explosive plays in order to get back in this. They needed a 55 yard run for its first touchdown and then they needed a 44 yard pass for the second. 
those plays are unlikely to be replicated. And then you have to also realize that this backup, they have potentially Baylor may be playing with the backup. I'm not sure if it's going to matter um, because they're a run first team anyway. But in that game, Oklahoma State had threw for three interceptions and they still won by 10 points. How does a team, how is a team able to do that? And it's because this Oklahoma State defense is no joke. I think it's been overlooked all season, even by me, but they are third in opponent yards per play behind only Georgia and Wisconsin. They are second in opponent third down conversions allowed. That's major. And they are first in opponent red zone scoring attempts and third in opponent red zone scores. So even if they had those interceptions, which they did, they were able to prevent prevent points because their red zone defense has just been absolutely stellar. I love this defense. This is a defensive-minded game. The total is set at a low, 46.5. It's even ticked it down. I can see definitely Oklahoma State winning this by 10 again, just like in the first matchup. Yeah, and Pam, and unlike in years past, this has been Oklahoma State's calling card this year, running the football in really, really good defense. The Pokes, top five in scoring defense, rushing defense, and total defense Mm -hmm. in all of college football. That's why you see the over-under at 46 and a hook. If you think that's low, well, let me direct your attention to the Big Ten Championship game, where the over-under total is 43 and a hook, for Michigan and Iowa. Pam, this line has fluctuated a little bit here back and forth. I've seen mm-hmm. it get as high as Michigan as 11.5 point favorite, mainly around 10.5, now currently live with the FanDuel Sportsbook, 9.5 points in favor of the Michigan Wolverines. How do you approach this matchup in the Big Ten title game? I have not bet this game as of yet, and the reason is because I have Iowa 10 to win ticket to win the Big Ten title that I took preseason. Mm. And I'm just like, I'm in a, I'm stuck in a hard place because stuck between a rock and a hard place because I would love to see Michigan come out with the win here. I think they're the better team. They're clearly the better team. Are you kidding me? They're the most complete team that Harbaugh has had. You have Aiden Hutchinson, who's yeah. an absolute stellar pass rusher. You have two running backs in Blake Corum and Hassan Hoskins. They have an impenetrable offensive line. Their offensive line is just so stellar. And they have a capable quarterback, but I, I have this ticket. <laughs> I'm just like, what do I do with it? The line is 11. I do believe like this is you have two teams who have strong defenses, so you have to go with the team that has the better offense, and that's never Iowa. I can't take the under in this game because you've seen where Iowa has been able to shoot up the points because of turnovers. That could potentially happen here on either team. So the line for me for the under the total the over under is too low for me to be comfortable taking that but honestly I would have to take if I am betting this it's Michigan minus 10 and a half it's they're the complete team and Iowa just has no offense to contend you're hoping maybe then for this hedge opportunity and Pam did it well folks because when you look at hedging opportunities and value in the Big Ten Conference even in the preseason You want to grab a team from the Big Ten West, like a Wisconsin or Iowa, that has dominated this division in the past, and then they go to the Big Ten title game, and you have a lot of plus money on your side. Pam, it has been a pleasure talking college football with you, not only just today, but all season long. I cannot wait for the conference championship slate we have both on Friday and Saturday night. And then, of course, we will have you back on the morning after to get your thoughts on the college football playoff, the CFP semifinals, and all that is involved. Pam Maldonado from Yahoo Sports joining us here on the morning after, getting you set for conference championship Saturday in college football. Pam, thanks so much for your time as always. Absolutely. Good luck with your bets.
Same to you. And a wonderful hedging opportunity for that Big Ten championship game. So now it's nine and a half in favor of Michigan. The biggest total on the book right now. Cincinnati minus ten and a half. The biggest spread, I should say, for conference championship weekend. From college football to the NFL, up next here on the morning after a full preview of Thursday Night Football with Ryan Williams. Stay with us on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the new home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. Tonight, on a Thursday night in New Orleans, begins week number 13 of the NFL regular season. 18 weeks of the NFL regular season. Every team playing 17 games. And on this Thursday night, it's not necessarily a short week for either the New Orleans Saints, the home team, or the Dallas Cowboys, a five-point road favorite. Both of these teams in action just a week ago on Thanksgiving Day and evening as the Saints hosted the Buffalo Bills to round out your turkey day. So to help us get set for this Thursday night football affair, it is FanDuel's Ryan Williams. Joining the morning after on this Thursday, as he always does, we will go through the TNF prop board. We will look at some of Ryan's winners for the NFL Sunday slate for week number 13. Ryan, thank you for being here on the morning after once again. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to be back here, man. After the Thanksgiving holiday, we got to have a little bit of a break. And, hey, I, you know, I got to say thank you to you guys for not having me on last week because it would have been a bloodbath uh, for me and my picks as we had a crazy week 12 in the <laughs> NFL. Uh, so happy to get after it with, with you guys here on week 13 and starting with Thursday Night Football. Yeah, Ryan, let's begin with Thursday night football. The Cowboys, a five-point road favorite. The over-under tonight, 47.5. Of course, the Cowboys dealing with a fair bit of COVID issues. Their head coach, Mike McCarthy, will not be there tonight in New Orleans for this game. And, Ryan, what's interesting to me about that is 91% of the betting handle right now is on the New Orleans Saints. Yet the line opened at five. It dipped a little bit. It also got higher than five a little bit as well. And right now it's just currently at five in favor of the Dallas Cowboys with 91% of the handle on the Saints and the line staying pretty much stagnant. What does that mean to you, Ryan, for Thursday night football? Yeah, I mean, uh, even getting up to six, uh, Ben, as you alluded to here, we have no Alvin Kamara, I believe, just before uh, I came on here on the sports grid. He's already been ruled out, but hasn't been playing. Uh, They're going to get like 10 days of rest for Alvin Kamara here as they kind of, you know, get ready to close out the season. But you're looking at, you know, this Dallas team, they've kind of struggled you know, offensively, as of late, the defense hasn't, you know, been making the noise, been letting up points, as we just saw on Thanksgiving to, to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and you're looking at this Taysom Hill uh, saga 2.0, as we saw last year. This is going to start up again. They are at home, the Saints. And just, you know, these island games, man, when the public is so heavy on one side, it just, it just bears yeah. so much credence to take 
the other side there in in hopes that you know it's going to disappoint i mean we haven't seen you know we need to see some more from the cowboys before we're willing to take close to five points for them at home against the sean payton team that's going to be coached up yeah and ryan williams is spot on right there no alvin Kamara, and the line has moved a little bit normally running backs don't affect the line all that much but alvin Kamara means so much to this saints offense and all that he does with his versatility especially when Taysom Hill makes his first start of this season. Now it's six in favor of Dallas. The over-under total has dropped by a hook to an over-under of 47. So, Ryan, like you alluded to, Taysom Hill making his first start of the season has only thrown the ball eight times so far this year for New Orleans. But do you believe there is enough that you know about Taysom and the style of play he presents to the Saints offense to find any value on him in the prop market? Yeah, I mean, definitely when you're looking at Taysom Hill taking over the helm here, right, we just got to look at his anytime touchdown prop, and he's coming in at plus 190 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Happy to get after that. This guy had four starts last year, four rushing touchdowns in those games. We know that if they get into the red zone, especially without Adlin Kamara being there, I would have loved this so much if Mark Ingram also had missed because they have the guy Tony Jones Jr., preseason favorite for a lot of people in the industry, but he just didn't look like he had it last week against Buffalo. So um, I think if they get into the red zone here, we're going to see a lot of pistol formations, a lot of, you know, direct snaps, and Taysom should be able to uh, take one in. And this offense, again, he's going to be the catalyst here, as we've seen in the past when Sean Payton has gone in this direction. So definitely like getting after that anytime touchdown prop. Yeah, certainly so. Taysom Hill does not need to be the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, and Sean Payton will find ways to give Taysom Hill the ball, especially now down there near the goal line as well. On the other side of things, for the Dallas Cowboys, Ryan, there was some speculation early in the week that maybe Ezekiel Elliott, who was a little bit banged up the last couple of weeks, would not play. They would give him some rest. It seems, at least based on the odds that are available in the prop market, Zeke will play in some form or fashion tonight. But we know Tony Pollard, even when Ezekiel Elliott has been out there, has been a huge factor in the Cowboys offense. So where in the prop market do you look for Tony Pollard to find some profitability this evening? Yeah, we're we're still going to get on the boy Tony Pollard here. I mean, this guy has been so efficient with the touches that he's been getting. Absolute stud. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say like some people are that he's better than Zeke. I'm, I'm, you know, let's not let's not go that far. It makes it easier on the backup when the stud is, you know, good and they game plan for him and he yeah. kind of does things and adds that, you know, fire and ice type of element where he comes in and can switch it up for them. I love getting Pollard's over reception prop. You got it at plus 116 at over two and a half. This guy's already hit that five. Um, or I'm sorry, he's hit that in two of the last three games. It's been six times all year already. So even with Ezekiel Elliott kind of being in there, if we see kind of a fast-paced game, which both of these teams are top five in pace, um, I think that he can definitely get this more often than not, willing to take that prop with him. Yeah, and Ryan, when you look at the receiving props right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook, only really when it comes to total receptions are Dallas Cowboy players listed. And the lowest juice outside of the plus money for Tony Pollard to an over is Michael Gallup, and his over is juiced at minus 136. So if you're looking for good prop value, maybe Tony Pollard is where you look for total receptions for the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, the guy throwing to all of the Cowboy receivers tonight, tight ends, running backs, and wide receivers alike, is Dak Prescott. Where do you think Dak presents value for Thursday Night Football? 
Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where I'm just kind of looking at this scenario and Island Games. You know, I'm not really touching this over line, Ben, because we we've seen the overs disappoint so many times. But when we're looking at passing props for Zeke, let's look at it or Zeke for Dak. Let's look at his passing prop of over two and a half touchdowns at plus one eighty six. Now you're looking at his numbers mm. in the past couple of games, and he he's hit this uh, he hit this five out of six times to start the season, but he has not hit that since. He's really on this on this pace of two two passing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns. But this will be the first time he kind of gets his whole receiving core back together. It looks like Amari Cooper is going to be activated off of the COVID list. I know they are going to be missing Cedric Wilson, but Michael Gallup. Uh, Cooper and Lamb all playing together. Very nice. Got the backfield back there. They're definitely going to want to, you know, put up points here on the board against the Saints. And I'm I'm willing to take a chance on his over touchdown prop. I like the approach to the prop board tonight, Ryan, for Thursday night football. A lot of plus money green prices right there on your board for TNF this evening between the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints. I love that CeeDee Lamb is back for Dak Prescott. That connection has been hitting all season long. So, Ryan, as we transition away from Thursday night football to the Sunday slate for NFL week number 13, a great game that has playoff implications for both sides. The Washington football team in the NFC and the Las Vegas Raiders in the AFC. Do you believe there might be some points scored in this game between the football team and the Raiders? Yes, absolutely. Uh, love getting the over on this game, Ben, at 49 and a half. And it's just a matter of the Raiders being involved in this football game. I mean, the Raiders games, six of their 11 games have gone over this 50-point total. I mean, they've had some 60-point bonanzas as well. And all of their home games have gone uh, – they've only had two home games that went uh, under this total. That was a you know kind of an ugly game with the bears and i know they had another one as well recently um in the past two weeks that went that hit under but this team is just you know they're very explosive they play at a fast place too we're seeing the washington football team they're kind of getting there you know hitting their stride with taylor heineke you love what antonio gibson's doing good good get right spot for terry mclaurin and the rest of these guys getting logan thomas back so i think if the raiders can push the pace for them i think that we're going to see this over hit on sunday and Yeah, Ryan, another total that you're looking at for the Sunday slate, tied for the highest total of the weekend, 50 and a half between the Bengals and the Chargers. Do you like an over or an under for this matchup between L.A. and Cincinnati? Yeah, we're going to go we're going to go over here as well. I mean, Cincinnati, this Joey B, I mean, he he's looking he's looking nice as of late, Ben. You know, they just yeah. had the route against Pittsburgh. Joe Mixon is getting going favorable matchup again for Joe Mixon on the ground with this run funnel Chargers defense. And then you're looking at they just played against the Raiders putting up 30 points. Um and then you know, looking at their past scheduled games i mean this team has consistently put up 30 points on the board really quietly going under the radar what they're doing offensively and we know hey if the chargers aren't able to play their game where they're just running austin eckler and they need justin herbert to throw back they're comfortable in doing so so with this being at home with cincinnati i see them pushing the pace and that's why i'm going the over on that total as well even though it's over 50. Ryan, this will be the seventh total of 50 or more points for the Los Angeles Chargers this year. But this is why I love having smart people like you here on the morning after because you mentioned it. Joe Mixon against the L.A. Chargers in that porous rush defense. I'm looking at a Joe Mixon prop on Sunday, certainly for that great game between Cincy and Los Angeles. Two teams very much in the hunt 
for an AFC wildcard spot at the moment. So that a total of 50 and a half near the upper echelon of the highest totals for NFL week number 13 on Sunday. One of the lowest, the Miami Dolphins and the New York Giants. The Finns, a four and a half point favorite. Ryan, what's the approach for that matchup? Dude, we're taking the we're taking the Dolphins here. We're we're going we're going fishing uh, with the Dolphins here at minus uh, four and a half against the Giants. Listen, I mean, you got two teams here that couldn't be more Drexel and Hyde approach, Ben. When you're talking about it, I mean, the Giants can't get anything done um, offensively. They fired the offensive coordinator to bring in, you know. Uh, elevate Freddie Kitchens. He still can't get it going. They're dealing with so many injuries on the offensive side and defensive side. It just hasn't looked good. And then on the other side, this Miami team started one and seven, Ben, and they have a chance. When you look at their schedule, I mean, they're going to have a, a, a final season game against the Patriots that could, you know, potentially be playoffs for the Miami Dolphins on an incredible run here of uh, of an undefeated streak. And they can, I, I'm surely. Uh, gonna bet on them to keep that going against the New York Giants, especially at home. This defense has looked great the past couple of weeks, riding with the Dolphins all week. Yeah, and Ryan, you mentioned it. That line opened up as two and a half points in Miami's favor. Now four and a half, the New York Giants most likely without their quarterback Daniel Jones for a couple of weeks due to a strained neck. Right. So who do they turn to? The man with the biggest neck in all of college football, or college football, excuse me, in all of the NFL, in Mike Glennon. Also, Ryan, you can see right there, we're liking the Pats as an underdog on Monday night, even looking past Sunday for a huge game on a Monday night in that AFC East division between two of the best teams in the AFC, the Patriots and the Bills. Ryan Williams, not just Thursday night, not just Sunday, Monday night football here on the morning after already getting you set for NFL week number 13. Ryan Williams of FanDuel, thank you very much for joining us here on TMA. I wish you a very profitable Thursday, Sunday, and Monday night in the National Football League. Hey, I appreciate that, Ben. And I you know, I know you're big ben, Big Ten guys, so I'll be thinking of you for the Big Ten Championship, man. Lots of implications going on there in college football. So I'll be checking out your bets. I appreciate that. I'm very excited for Conference Championship Weekend. More of the morning after, coming up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Closing out hour number two of the morning after on this Thursday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, Channel 159, the new home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. And all across the SportsGrid network, I am Ben Stevens. But I am one mere part of this SportsGrid family. And the morning after, each and every weekday morning, our executive producer in the mornings, Alex Fasano, is not only going to give you the SportsGrid news update coming up in just a couple of moments, he also presents us a very fun fact 
for this Thursday to get you set for NFL week number 13 beginning tonight. But let's go back to week number 12 because in week 12, despite a loss to the Denver Broncos, the LA Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen had seven grabs for 85 yards. Antonio Brown, meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has not played due to an ankle injury since week number six. You might be thinking to yourself, what is this fun fact? How are these two players related? What is Alex Fasano talking about? Well, here's where it gets very fun. Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen reached 700 receptions in his 111th career game this past Sunday against the Broncos, tying Antonio Brown as the fastest players in NFL history to reach that mark. Now that is a fun fact. Thanks to the seven grabs, 85 yards that Keenan Allen had in a loss to Denver, he has now tied AB as the fastest wide receivers in NFL history in terms of games to reach 700 career receptions. So far this year, Keenan Allen, 81 grabs, 895 yards, has been targeted a ton by Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert, but just two touchdowns. Meanwhile, Antonio Brown, who has had to deal with a litany of injuries this year, only 29 grabs, 418 yards for the Bucks, but four touchdowns. Those are their stats this year in the 2021 NFL regular season. See, wasn't that fun? That's a very fun fact from Alex Fasano. You are going to hear from Alex Fasano in give or take 20, 25 seconds with a Sports Grid News update to keep you up to date with everything you need to know. And then on the other side of that, the morning after we'll be back for our third and final very happy hour here on The Grid. Stay with us on Sirius XM Channel 159. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your dad used to take you for a haircut when you were a kid. (laughs) 